friends and welcome to another edition of Dan and Benny in the Ring. I'm Dan Spasciano joined as always by the BS Express himself, Benny Scala. Benny, how you doing, buddy? I'm excited, Dan. I think tonight is episode number 58. And you've said many times that the average podcast lasts about three episodes. So according to my math, we are 19 and one third better than the average podcast. Unless you're Scott Steiner and then maybe it's like pi r squared or something like that. Yeah, those podcasts only have a 66 and two-thirds chance of being better than us. Or right. how does that go? I, I don't know. Scott Steiner math is confusing. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, we got a good conversation ahead of us, Benny. Um, the Our uh, guest tonight is actually pretty familiar with our sponsor. So why don't you give a shout-out to him and before we uh, tell everybody who we got on the line with us. All right. Yes. Dan and Benny in the Ring is brought to you by... Boogie's Wrestling Camp, founded in 1992 by wrestling legend Jimmy Viant and his beautiful wife, Angel. BWC is situated in majestic, scenic Shawsville, Virginia. Whether you want to be a wrestler, manager, announcer, or valet, BWC is the place to be. At BWC, you will receive the best possible training from Jimmy and his amazing staff. You'll learn holes, bumps, psychology, and promos. The, the cost is just $250 down and $20 per session, lowest anywhere. Boogie's Wrestling Camp has turned out 29 graduating classes, the most notable alumnus being <clears throat> excuse me, AEW world champion Hangman Adam Page. When you join BWC, you're not just joining a wrestling school, you become a part of the BWC family. Interested? Visit jimmyvaliant.weebly.com for more information on Boogie's Wrestling Camp. BWC, the ring of dreams, where the dream becomes reality, and tell them Dan and Benny sent you. Absolutely. And speaking of uh, the BWC, uh, our guest tonight's very familiar with their work. He's their official referee. He's been uh, anybody that's ever seen any pictures from the camp. I know you're familiar with him. If you name a legend, he's probably been in the ring with him. If you think of an indie star today, I guarantee you he's been in the ring with him. We are joined by referee Reggie Cassidy. Reggie, thanks for being here. Thank you guys for having me. You know, I want to get right into it. Every time we have somebody on the show, we always ask them the same question, and it's different. I mean, everybody's got their own story, but I got to know, for if for you, uh, usual start, what what was the moment that you fell in love watching, hearing about it? When did you see wrestling, and what was that moment where you said, that's what I'm going to do with my life? My parents were the biggest fans on this planet. Nice. They, they at least one or two times a month you know of course i wasn't born at that time but they would go even after i was born we'd go to the greensboro coliseum run up civic center indie shows throughout my entire childhood even as an adult still go to shows with them and i I would say age five or six but after meeting nelson royal as a child i was addicted what year would that have been around reggie um, 85, 86. So we're, we're talking, uh, JCP, right? Jim Crockett promotions. Yes. yes okay. Yes. They were at a local, local high school on the football field doing a fundraiser type thing for the football team. And it's been on ever since. So now who, who are your parents' favorites? Just out of curiosity. My mom loved Ric Flair. Wow. For, okay. For whatever reason, my well, mom loved Ric Flair. That's, and that's, that's unusual. My dad, a woman from that era being a Ric Flair fan. Yeah, right. Right, right. And I'm not sure what the, the draw to Ric was, but she loved him. And my dad was the brawler fan, the, the rough and tough person. The the Dick Slater, Dick Murdoch type wrestler. Maybe like a Wahoo, just a rugged Wahoo. Guy. Oh, definitely, definitely, yeah. definitely, a bruiser type of wrestler. So now they were able to actually go twice a month. We yes, we would go at sometimes more than that. But my dad worked every other Saturday, so that kind of put that kind of cut it down to 
going on the, the, the weekends that he was off. Plus back then Crockett was JCP was running high schools and, and venues during the week, Monday through Friday. And if you know, you were lucky enough to see one of those house shows, they were great. Yeah, well, they didn't. Uh, they didn't skimp on those house shows. I'm sorry, Dan. No, you're good, Benny. Go ahead. No, they, I mean they put together quite quite the card. When you see some of those posters for those spot shows, it was, oh, it was yeah. good stuff. I, it was. And of course, there was no internet to. There was no dirt sheets back then, so it was either turn the TV on and watch, or go to the venue. Well, let me ask you something. When you were talking about going, I mean, obviously the the spot shows, the armories, I mean, anybody that knows early 80s, 70s, 80s, Jim Crockett, you were playing the the, the armories, the, the high schools, the, the, some of the anywhere that had an auditorium. Uh, I'm curious, did you go to any of the arenas at the time or any of the arena shows or was it all just the local stuff? Yes, we went to the Greensboro Coliseum more than any. It was the closest to my parents' home, which was a little over an hour. It was a little farther than that to the Ronald Civic Center. But it seemed to be more the bigger shows were taking place in Greensboro at that time. Reggie, what was the – so we've, we've had a lot of folks uh, from, from Memphis. We had Shane Russell. Uh, we've had Bill Dundee. We've had Jimmy Valiant. And they talked about the, you know, the, the feel – at the Mid South Coliseum, what was what would it, what was the feel at the the Greensboro Coliseum? I got to think like it, the the fans were a hundred percent into it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and you 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 were surprised. You didn't know, like I said about the dirt sheets that you have now and the internet chatter. You didn't know what was going to happen next. Then now you're it's kind of the most of the stories are out there before it's actually show day. I think one of the most interesting or like things about old school wrestling is that these wrestlers had to be salesmen because like you said, there was no social media. There was no, you know, and, and, and back in the seventies, there was no cable. You had local TV and you had, you know, your local TV wrestling show. <clears throat> and these guys, both baby faces and heels, they had to pitch that show so that you bought a ticket. If you didn't buy a ticket, they weren't eating that week. Right, right. It's so much and different the, than the old, Yes, the old school feel of it with having, you know, separate locker rooms back then for your your bad guys, good guys, heels, safe, however you want to put it. Uh, that old school feel was was a great feeling. And to see them give it their all as a child, to see them give it their all, I thought it was the greatest thing I'd ever saw live. Hmm. Well, let me let me ask you to expand on, on the previous question. You talked about when you became a fan. Obviously, during the intro, and we'll get into the your career and things you've done, you, you work as a, as a referee in wrestling now. What was the moment... Walk us through that. How did what was the moment you decided, and how did you go about becoming a wrestling referee? Well, I had a life changing car accident in 2014, and I'd always wanted to work in wrestling. And I broke my back in a couple places, and was pretty was pretty convinced that I made it through this car wreck that I should do the things that I wanted to do. So I started, I started studying the business side of it. I actually went to college and took some business and marketing classes at that time. And I originally had no intention of doing anything inside the ring whatsoever. And I, I guess I had, uh, I had worried the local promoters to death about wanting to hang posters, help set up chairs, take out the trash, mop the floor, whatever I could do to get myself into these, to work for these promotions that one finally let me. And I started hanging posters and doing this, that, and the other. They started using me as an extra as far as, you know, little spots here and there. And they were short on refs. 
and he didn't he it didn't take as much convincing as I thought it would take at first to get me to start training. Once I started training and and got my feet wet, so to speak, I loved it. Whether I was doing the whole show or I was getting one match at the show, I loved it. It it was um an unbelievable first six months to a year of in-ring was unbelievable to me it was unbelievable to sit back and say i'm actually doing this after i'd wanted to for all these years reggie i'm, I'm curious so i mean obviously you watched a lot of wrestling before that and i mean i've watched referees over the years and i'm, I'm curious so when you started training um, I'm, I'm assuming that you've got a whole new appreciation of, of you know, the, the, the professional wrestling referee. And was when you started training, <clears throat> was it what you thought it was going to be as far as what you had to do? Not really. Not really. I never thought from a fan's perception that a ref had so many responsibilities for one that I never thought as, as it, as the ref is being in control of the match, so to speak. But after, after starting to train and realizing, you know, everything's based around everybody in the ring, not just the wrestlers, that refs are very important to not only get, not only to get the match over, but to make sure everything flows as it should time for one, especially if you're doing stuff for TV and almost every promotion now is either has a streaming network or it's on YouTube. One of the, one of the two. So time is a big issue. The guys, the worker safety is another big issue to me. Everybody goes home at the end of the night. Nobody leaves on a stretcher type thing. So you really kind of are the 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 ring general there. Yeah. Yeah, and like it's you're after the more training I put in, the more people I got to work to work with. I'm still to this day, right now, I'm still learning. So I, I had somebody ask a few weeks ago about when did I stop training? I said never. Never. Never stop. Never stop learning. Never stop training. Now, Reggie, the, the the promotion that you referred to that that took you in is that AIWF. Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah, they're still going strong. They're still going strong. They're the largest uh, affiliate based company in the world today. Thirty years strong. Wow, that's it's amazing. Yes, it is. So you, you, we mentioned that you've been in with pretty much the who's who. Uh, now, do you remember your first match? I remember my first match and first show. My first match and first show was in a little small town in Virginia, about probably an hour north of, of the BWC. And uh, Virginia requires a license. You have to be licensed to be inside the ring. So... I had my license. I'd been training for a while, and they decided to give me a shot. Well, they at before getting to the venue, they failed to tell me that uh, I was the only ref. <laughs> so yeah, ex- extremely, and and I'm glad they didn't because it would have really got to the point of being really nervous, and I didn't want that. But first match was my first match was basically a good heel, younger baby face, and just simple stuff. I would imagine and, like, something like that. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but like the, the fact that no, you did have to work the whole card would be a great baptism under fire because you got a lot of reps. Yes. Yes, I did. Trust me, at, at that point the next morning, I was like, what have I gotten myself into? But, of course... The following few days, I'm like, I really did this. I really did this whole entire card. 
And uh, it's been an addiction. The ref has in me has been an addiction since that day. <laughs> well, let me ask you then, uh, expanding on that, as you know, having done, you said you pretty much did everything. Why don't you, you tell us a little bit about that, uh, your career as a referee, where you've been, uh, any big names you've been in the ring with or, or moments you want to share? Yes, I, of, of course, AIWF, I, that's where I started. I'm still there today. I did take a, I did take a side street, so to speak, and, and went and done some other stuff for a year or so. Went, I had an Evolve tryout, NXT tryout, and basically just about every indie promotion within a couple hundred miles minus one or two i've worked for and there really there really hasn't been any that said you know we don't want you back type thing but of course they're always going to be my favorites my favorite promotions to work for but because my favorite promotions have people that i it's so easy to work with as far as getting the match over. And as far as like people I've been in the ring with, my absolute favorites are, of course, Boogie, Jim Valiant, um, George South. Um, I did, I worked with a couple of impact guys uh, a few weeks ago, Ace Austin, Madman Fulton. Um, uh one of the promotions that I work for that's kind of different from the other promotions and the rules are kind of different is it's a promotion in West Virginia called ICS that every title match they have is the best two out of three falls. That's old school. Which was, which hideous and which was kind of, kind of a new thing for me to get used to and 20 count on the outside for, certain promotions okay when i went to evolve they were using the 20 count on the outside so and me being older and referring to having people refer to me as being old school i still admonish the closed fist i still the count outs on you know the count outs 10 count unless told otherwise but i'd Go ahead. No, I was going to ask you, like, are you on the road during the week? Or are you, like, going from show to show? or? Yes, I do. As, I work as much as possible, based around family, of course. Um, but I do work shows during the week when my day job permits. At least, I try to do at least three to four shows a, a month. Sometimes I end up with a lot more than, than I scratch my head and say, why did I take on all this? But I still go do it anyway. But the, with, with certain, with certain promotions like AIWF, just using them as an example, coming spring and summer, they run twice a month. See the, it's the first Saturday and the third Saturday. I'm also a head ref for, Premier League Mid-Atlantic, um, which is based out of Bluefield, West Virginia. They've been in business about a year now, and I took over from their head ref moving up to become a wrestler. And they're now running two shows a month. So that pretty much pretty much ties up the entire month for weekends. But I do try to find some weekday stuff from time to time just to you know to work different places basically and work with people i've never worked with before well what's the uh what's the farthest you've ever traveled for a show just out of curiosity uh it would have to be hazel green alabama rocket city championship wrestling that was uh 13 and a half hours oh wow do you have any good road stories (laughs) well yes yes i have some some good road stories of I had to um, oh yeah yeah I had to um, I I traveled with a heel and and a baby face for a while and we were in a town that we were running the show in and they were recognized we I had to pretty much stand in between them 
at a restaurant because we had a fan that was working there that still believed it was real. And to me, it's still real. But I'm basically standing in between two guys arguing while we're ordering at Hardee's. That's hilarious. So you kind of had to keep, you know, Benny and I have, have uh, we've, how many stories have we been told, Benny, uh, about having to keep kayfabe in town? Oh, yeah. That's funny. And ironically, the fan that that I've mentioned had uh, there was a heel at a later show that was working pretty hard, and the fan had really gotten into it, and he had called her sir, and she proceeded to lift her shirt to show him it wasn't a sir. Oh, jeez. I'll have to remember that for the future. Yeah, yeah, that's. I might uh, be able to use that. No, no, Benny, that. <laughs> well, um, you know, of course, in my mind, I'm thinking, put those away, please. But you know, you know, this is family friendly entertainment is friend family friendly as wrestling can be. Of so, course, oh, this but, is during you know, the, this is during the match. Yeah, during during the match. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah, and as I as someone asked me a while back. You can't make this stuff up. I mean, you can't. That was the most, that's probably the best in-ring story that I have. Other than, other than I was working a fundraiser in North Carolina for a football team. It it was hot. Magnum PA, Teddy Long there. As we're probably talking 500 plus in a crowd and a lot of them are kids. So the the heel of the match, which was also the promoter, told me to ask those kids to move back. So I went over and asked those kids to move back, and apparently I did it too loud. So he had me turn around and go apologize to those kids for for being too loud to them. That's funny. You know, I, I got to know, you were talking uh... – Earlier, you mentioned, you know, about making accounts and everything. Where does the, the pressure, if you don't mind pulling the curtain back a little bit, where does the preparation go into in, in that how much of the match you're involved in versus how much of it you have to call as if it's real? If somebody can't get back in the ring or maybe doesn't kick out, do you, do you call the match as if it's real or are you, are you there to make the audible? If that shoulder, if a shoulder does not come up, a foot doesn't go on a rope, arm on a rope, or under a rope, I'm counting at three, regardless of the situation. Because you don't, not only do you not want to bury yourself, you don't want to bury your wrestlers as well. The As far as the count on the outside goes, you know, it's, in my head, I'm going one Mississippi, you know, two Mississippi and so on. Mm-hmm. But, of course, everybody looks at it different, like as far as getting back to the ring, breaking the count, et cetera. The majority of your body has to be, for me, has to be back into the ring for me to call it as the count being broken and, and restarted or the match continuing in the ring. If not, that matches over count out. Well, then let me ask your thoughts. One of the criti- criticisms, uh, I should say more common criticisms of wrestling today is the fact that referees often come out, come off as, as useless. You'll have matches where wrestlers will start brawling on the outside and they're outside the ring for several minutes or they're doing, you know, uh, hitting each other with weight belts and things that are are blatantly obvious to, uh, you know, the character. And and the refs just kind of like let it go because hey, the script called for you guys to brawl on the outside for a half hour or whatever. I'm curious what your thoughts are on the fact that one of the biggest issues today that expose, in my opinion, exposes wrestling is the fact that referees kind of just become props to the match and not symbols of authority anymore right um as far as like the the you using weapons or something like that if if i see it 
And let's use this as an example, Iraq. If I see it, I'm going to warn you a couple of times. If I see it a time after I've warned you a couple of times, it's DQ, I'm DQing. Simply for the fact of keeping it real. And as far as like starting out brawling on the outside, recently I did do a match that begun on the outside. I'm not starting a match until at least one or both are inside the ring. Reggie, has there ever been an instance, I would think, you know, based on the fact that you've done so many matches where you got involved and you had to take a bump? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, of course, it's keeping it real to me. It's the big, mean muscular wrestler given whatever it was to the little smaller ref. So you, you, you're there till the match is over, so to speak. If it's, you know, if it's an high impact move, if it's a brush off type of shoved out of the way, uh, at first, you know, kind of brush it off type thing and not, not so much, you know, bounce right back up and say, you can't do that, but warn them, you know, it happens again, you're out of here. Match is over. Follow-up question. Have you ever gotten enough heat from a crowd where you were a little bit concerned for your own safety? <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. A How do you handle that? Skate, a skating ring show in... Virginia. Uh, it was a Virginia hit, hit, hit was it was handled like, of course, Virginia, you're required to barrier, but you know, there's still there's still the fan element of trying to come to that barrier, but not them coming over. And yes, I didn't know I wasn't a hundred percent sure I was gonna make it to the curtain. But oh, yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was the hometown hero, so to speak. But as far as as far as other times other than that, you always going to have somebody in the crowd that's going to give the ref a hard time. Oh, yeah. You know, Every, I got to know. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I thought you were finished. No, go ahead. No, go I, ahead. I got I got to know. You talked about taking a bump. I, I got to know what. What's the training regiment that goes into officiating? Because the professional wrestling referee is far and above the most fragile human being I've ever seen in the history of sports. For me, the training was a little different. When I started, I was about five months out of that accident. So I still had major back issues and I still today have back issues, but I had major back issues. So mine was more of we strengthen stuff around other parts of the body. At the same time, learning learning to ref at the same time. So I put extra time in because of the, the strength and conditioning type thing. And with as far as the bump itself itself goes, you don't in my mind, I don't want it to look like I am the wrestler taking the bump. I want it to look like, you know, I'm the not not quite as fragile as some you saw before, but almost to that point. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you get the, the point of the question in that I've seen so many matches where the ref gets inadvertently kicked during a body slam or something, and he's on the ground for several minutes with what amounts to a minor shove. I've always, that's always been a, a spot that's cracks me up through the years. Yes. And there's a, there's one of the, one of my favorite bumps is bumping into the rope. So, to, so to speak, you know, like down to a knee type thing. And shaking off, shake, taking a minute or so to shake off the cobwebs. <laughs> Reggie, of, is, are there, is there a particular type of match? I'm sure you've done a lot of what I would call a gimmick match. 
Um, you know, Memphis was great for loser leaves town or hair versus hair, things like that. Have you worked any kind of matches like that? And if so, like, which one is your favorite? I have not done a hair versus hair, but I really, the, the old school fan in me really wants to. Um, but my favorite has, it has to be a tie of my favorite. The steel cage match is is one of those and the texas bull rope match touching all four corners to win that's that has to be my two favorite well let me ask you then as as a referee what how how does that differ in mindset doing a standard match versus something that's like like example you, you talked about the the texas bull rope match i mean there have been so many legendary rope and strap matches through the years. What kind of mindset do you have to get in as the referee for that type of match? Study that type of match. Watch that type of match. Ask if every locker room has veterans that have have done this type of match. Pull up a chair and listen. That's and most will most most people will say they will happily answer your questions. If you ask, um, like the the just using the cage as a cage match as an example, some of the cage matches I've done is escape the cage to win, for this over the top or through the door. And if you're not familiar with each match rules, then you're kind of lost out there. That's why I, I spend a lot of time studying. If I know that I've got this coming up, then I'll spend some time studying each type of match. Okay. Have you ever found yourself showing up for an event? Like you talked about, I'm going to be the only referee tonight. Have you ever found yourself showing up for an event? Uh, oh, I didn't realize I was going to ref a cage match or a special match. And, and you kind of got to wing it. Yes. Yes, several times, several times, because a lot of the older, the older bookers, older promoters, you know, as in reaching out to you, you don't get a lot of details. You kind of, you you know, you kind of got to find your own information. Hey, you know, what's going on? What's the match order? What type of matches are in that order? Nice. You know, we're about halfway through the interview. I, I want to take a second to touch on um, something that maybe not career related. You have a Facebook page, uh, Mister One Two Three Referee Reggie Cassidy, and it is just a plethora of photos uh, and everything from wrestlers in ring action. You have uh, pictures of flyers, advertisements. Anybody that's listening, Mr. Referee One Two, or excuse me, Mr. One Two Three Referee Reggie Cassidy, you have to check it out. I, I got to know two things. Obviously, other than the obvious, uh, being a ref, where did the nickname Mr. One Two Three come from? And kind of, if you have a story for that. And the second, what what motivated you to create an archive uh, of you using your referee experience? Um, I had uh, one of my trainers. One of my trainers had jokingly said, we're going to call you Mr. One, two, three. And I'm like, I like it. We should try it. I never thought it would stick. I never thought that, that I would have t-shirts with Mr. One, two, three on them, stickers, stuff, merch of that nature. But I figured, you know, we'd do it a couple shows just to, you know, kind of, kind of as a ha ha. You know, we'd come up with this idea, but it stuck for whatever reason. It stuck. And as far as as far as the page goes, I share a lot of stuff that brings up memories for me, like favorite wrestlers to watch, favorite wrestlers to, to study, favorite rest to study. Basically, that page was was created to keep up with what's going on with me, you know, where is the next two or three shows going to be and stuff that I'm just browsing the Internet and find and decide to hit to share or retweet or whatever. 
I, I did notice, Reggie, that you had a couple of baseball pictures in there. And I think specifically you had one of one of my favorite ball players of all time, Albert Pujols, hitting a home run. But yep. fortunately, it was before he sold out to the Angels. And it was <laughs> actually in the, in the Cardinals uniform. It, do you have a, a favorite team? I mean, is, is baseball one of your, your passions? I love baseball. Basketball is my all-time favorite sport, but I love baseball, football. I, I found several sites that I share my baseball stuff from. I'm a Braves fan, by the way, and an old school Tom Glavin, John Smoltz, David Justice days. And of course, I'm happy that we won the World Series last year, but um, I'm more the the 90s sports fan than I am today's. It it isn't the same as it was. Just like with wrestling, it isn't the same Absolutely. as it was back then. I'm thinking based on where you live, though, and just just a guess that um, where you lived is a a treasure trove of minor league baseball, like the Carolina League. Uh, I think yes, the Sally League. Did you see a lot of minor league games? Martinsville, the next biggest town to where I grew near where I grew up, we had the Martinsville Phillies when I was in middle school, high school, and they become the Martinsville Mustangs several years ago. I want to say 12, 15 years ago, and I'm sure there's still a team there now, although I live uh, two and a half hours west of there. But there he is. We have um, the Salem Red Sox. Pulaski, Virginia has a team. There's several around the uh, Virginia, West Virginia border of minor league teams. Um, Greensboro and Winston-Salem, North Carolina has minor league teams. Danville, Virginia is the, used to be the Danville Braves. I'm not sure what they are. Now with all the restructuring of, of teams and everything from several years ago. But I love, I love sports in general. I was pretty saddened when we, during COVID, that we had no NCAA March Madness tournament. Right. That's really funny that uh, the Indi- uh, minor league baseball kind of reminds me of indie wrestling where, you know, you can still, you know, I, I've, gone to the uh see the lakeland tigers down here in florida um many times and i mean like seven eight bucks uh dunedin which is about 20 minutes from me which is the uh the florida state league uh team for the blue jays same thing i mean i've gotten in there for like three bucks i mean you can still buy a hot dog and a beer without having to get a payday loan and you know kind of kind of the same thing like it's just you know it's still affordable like an indie wrestling show is right and it used to be a company and I'm not 100% sure of the company name. I want to say it was New Dimension Wrestling. Uh, it was based out of like the Greensboro, Winston-Salem, North Carolina area. They used to run a lot of these minor league parks back in the mid to late 90s and just do them on nights that there was the team was playing away. Well, let me ask you guys if we can get off topic for just a second. We're recording this. It's uh, Tuesday, uh, February 15th, and Ryan Zimmerman, uh, all perennial all-star uh, Washington National, the fir- their first first-round pick. Benny, I think you might be old enough to remember the first time baseball was in Washington. But uh, I was curious, just, you know, we've got to talk about baseball. I want to get off topic for a second. If either of you guys have any thoughts on whether or not he, he's going to end up in Canton. I would <laughs> hope so. Excuse me, Cooperstown. I would hope so. Well, he could always take a drive to Canton, I guess, if he doesn't make Cooperstown. But, um, well, he, yeah, there you go. He's, I mean, so far so good. I mean, he's he's definitely on a track for that. But you never know. I mean, one of my favorite ball players was number twenty-three in the Yankees, Don Don Mattingly, aka Donnie Baseball. And the guy's first, I don't know, six or seven years, the guy had won a batting title, won an MVP. I think one year he drove in one hundred and forty-five runs, like gargantuan, like Mickey Mantle type numbers. And then he hurt his back, and you know, instead of being a phenomenal ball player, he was just a very good ball player. Um, finished out his career. I think his career average is like three fourteen. 
but um, never never played in a World Series, unfortunately. The guy will never get a sniff. Um, maybe maybe like later on with these veterans committees. Uh, but, you know, same kind of thing where like the guy's first, you know, several years, phenomenal. Ryan Zimmerman, I mean, could it be the same thing? He can get hurt tomorrow and then become mediocre. So you never really know. But I would say based on his stats so far, absolutely, he's got he's got a chance. Yeah, I uh, I, I always hope baseball gets it right uh, as a you can't really tell from this angle. I'm wearing my old Redskins hoodie. Uh, Joe Jacoby is the best offensive lineman in the history of football, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. So Hall of Fames have always been a sore spot to me because that's a robbery. Isn't it funny? It's not just wrestling, right? <laughs> Where this injustice, yeah. it's every sport. Well, at least at least uh, uh, Canton and Cooperstown are, I, I don't want to say real Hall of Fames, but most uh, some of the wrestling Hall of Fames that pop up in the news from time to time are uh, – a little, little on the on the less than up and up as far as as who's in and who's not, and you know to to think that Dominic Danucci never got into the same Hall of Fame that Snoop Dogg and Drew Carey are in just kind of puts a perspective on on where priorities are. Yeah, how about Ivan Koloff who pinned Bruno Sammartino in the middle of the ring to win the title? Exactly, That's crazy. Yes, De- yes, definitely, definitely, Ivan. And I'm, there's I'm many thinking, Rich, others. You, you, have you met Ivan? Because you know you, he he wrestled quite extensively in that area. I did, but I met him as a fan in the '90s. I did not get to meet him or see him after getting into the business. From what I understand, he is an absolute prince, or was an absolute prince of a gentleman. Yeah, that's what I've never heard a bad word about the man. Nope. You I know that, that. I know that with. Uh, several of the people that I work closely with at AIWF, they worked with him a lot, and not a bad word said about Ivan. Well, I mean, he his name's come up on the program before, and he's definitely one of our favorites, Benny and myself. To kind of get back to what we were talking about with with your career in in refereeing, do you have any? favorite moments or people that you've had the chance to work with even to kind of maybe play off the question I asked you earlier with showing up and not realizing it's a cage match. Have you ever shown up to an event and Holy cow, I get to referee his match or her match. Have you ever had any moments like that? Yes. Yes, I have. I, um, and actually had one here recently with, um, I had known this Papa Stro, the maestro, whatever you've, whatever you want to call him. Uh, I have met him on several occasions, had long talks with him, but never worked with him. I'd actually got to work with him uh, a couple months ago, Ace Austin, which was absolutely great to work with. I worked with him a few weeks ago. Um, Of course, anybody that's been where you want to get to, because we all, no matter what our age is, no matter how long we've been in the business, we all want to be at the same places. So as in bigger companies than we're working for. But anybody that's been there and came back to the Indies or or vice versa, you want to you want to work with those people. You want to absorb as much knowledge from those people as possible. And there's a lot of guys out here, and I I say guys, I mean girls too. There's a lot of people out here now on the indies that I love working with that just, in my opinion, should be at that next level that I've learned a lot from. Nice. Well, who, uh, what about, um, I, I guess favorites probably a stretch but have you do you have anybody who's your favorite person to have been in the ring with yes uh uh george south is absolutely great to be in the ring with it's it's like it you go back to the time that you were the match type that you were seeing as a fan when you were younger of course, before Boogie retired, I loved working with Jimmy Vite. 
so so easy so easy to work with with Jimmy. It's so easy to to pick up little little specks of knowledge from Jimmy. George the same way. Um and of course I have my favorites from the Indies. My the some of the guys who helped train me. Rick Diesel, Ty Tyson, I loved working with. I also one of the if there would be no me as a ref without those two plus Darren Saran who was AIWF Mid Atlantic's head ref for a long time. I loved working with those guys. So Reggie, without getting you in hot water, and I, 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 you don't. I mean, if you want, you can. But was there anybody that you worked with uh, that afterwards you said to yourself, "Man, what a jerk," or whatever you know word you use besides jerk? Has there ever been anybody who like I can't believe that guy was so you know such a jerk? Yes, there has, and I, um, without name dropping, there's there's a handful. And there's there's some that I really, really hope I don't ever have to work with. Will I be professional? Yes, I will. Will they? Probably so. But it's just it makes the the environment bad when you when you're in the ring with somebody that you legitimately feel uncomfortable with, so to speak kind of nervous on edge type feeling but and then there's some that that you you get out there with and they go about things in a cheap way as far as getting heat and stuff and you just really don't want to be a part of that anymore but without dropping names a couple have been in the national spotlight that I, I've never had a great experience with. And it's kind of sad to say that because you see, as far as social media and YouTube goes, you you see these people put out there as these wonderful people when they're really not. Well, let me ask you to expand on that a little bit. Um, has there been anybody... I hate to sound cliche, but has there been anybody that's broken your heart as a fan? Somebody you've been excited to meet or work with only to find out that they're, you know, like you said, maybe, maybe not exactly a good person. Not, not really that's, that's been to the next level, so to speak, but a few, I I say a handful that have made their rounds with the Indies throughout the United States that, that in some overseas too, that you you've watched film, you saw them do great promos, and then you work with them, and you're like, "Wow, this is not what I expected." I've had that happen a couple times. Hmm. Reggie, um, you mentioned right before the show to me that you created a page called, I think it's professional wrestling referees and it's a way yes, that you can referees and and promoters and everybody can can network with each other i guess for future jobs and things like that can you tell us a little bit about that about that that sounds pretty pretty cool yes i um i i wound up with at least three or four times a week somebody a promotion promoter booker whatever shooting me messages saying, Hey, I need, you know, I need a ref for this date. You know, if you can't do it, can you recommend somebody? So for six or eight months, I debated on whether I was going to create this group and start with less than 50 people and have the promoters, add promoters, add refs, add bookers, and let them invite other refs, promoters, and bookers just for networking and learning purposes. If you're looking for a ref, it's a great place to, to find one. And now we're up to about 150 members, and it seems to be doing well. I try to put some time into it, at least a couple, couple three hours a week into it, just to 
try to reach out to people that are outside of my area as far as refs and bookers go. If And if they're not interested, maybe they know somebody that would be and add them. And you, I do post seminar information as far as even just even for wrestlers. I do post uh, seminar information. There's actually a couple of good ref seminars coming up. Uh, Bryce Rimsberg, hope I'm not saying it wrong, from AEW is doing a seminar coming up. And Ian Rubicani from Ring of Honor is doing like a promo and networking seminar coming up. Nice. Okay. Nice. Well, let me uh, keep, keep it on, on with that. You talked about your travels and obviously everywhere from being a kid to, to you said you went as far as Alabama. Do you have any, any areas or, or arenas or shows that you just absolutely will go out of your way to work? Do you have a favorite venue to, to have worked in or to work in in the future? Yes, I, there's there's actually a couple. I I did the Rocket City Championship Wrestling in, in Alabama. I loved it. Their setup was great. It was the old school Memphis feel, which I didn't realize that at first until I got there and started and started doing a match and. That's basically what the the fans were popping for was the old school stuff. And Cleveland, Ohio, I go, we try to go at least once a year, but COVID's kind of changed that because, you know, basically for a while, everything was shut down. We were all sitting at home watching YouTube. But um, I enjoyed working in Cleveland because it had put me in with other people that were, had been, with Ring of Honor, had been to Impact, had been to even UFC. I worked with Matt Riddle in Ohio. Um, but I'm trying to get back up there this year. AIWF has uh, a new territory up there. It's AIWF Great Lakes. They, they will be um, in the Cleveland area starting on April 23rd. Yes, April 23rd. and. I enjoyed that. I also enjoyed my Evolve NXT tryout was in Joppa, Maryland, Maryland Championship Wrestling. They have a great setup, great venue there. Sold out crowd that night. It was it was great. Yeah, I've uh, having went to school there and and lived in Maryland for a few years. I can speak nothing but good things about Maryland Championship Wrestling, and and here. In Virginia, with uh, Virginia Championship Wrestling, I know they have a lot of cross-promotional talent. Uh, some of the better indie stars I've seen in a long time coming out of the Delmarva region, that's for sure. Yes. And I, my one of my goals is to work my way out towards the coast of Virginia more. And down into North Carolina on, on the coast, I, I do a lot of stuff in Charlotte, this Charlotte area. I do some stuff in the Greensboro, Winston-Salem area. But nothing Raleigh, North Carolina East yet. But we're still, I'm still taking booking, so I still have a few dates left between now and the middle of July. Okay. Well, well let me ask you, you talk about wanting to get booked. We have a... a you know, if there's anybody out there, I know this is something um, we've had people talk about before with with wrestling and intros. If we, if there's anybody out there that's listening, that's thinking, "Hey, I could be," I, I that sounds like something I would be interested in. What advice would you give any up and comers or anybody that wants to get into the business of being a professional wrestling referee? First, study definitely watch watch refs from today from the 90s, from the 80s, the 70s, um, just a couple to just names to bring up to watch. One of my favorites, Mark, Mark Curtis, he was head ref of Smoky Mountain in the 90s. He was great. Tommy Young, 
time, just my, he's my all time favorite ref. Um, definitely a different style there from what today's product is. Um, training, training, go get trained somewhere. It's, there's so many schools out here that teach referees and are, that are putting out good talent. There's so many in the area I'm in that put out good talent. Um, basically, slow down, relax, and have fun. That's the biggest thing. Have fun. I know it sounds like a – and I was actually earlier today talking to a, a younger ref – and up and coming has been in about two years. And, you know, I'm like, breathe. Have Go out there and have fun. We're all going to mess up at some point in time. If we're not messing up, we're not trying hard enough. True. Well, I mean, we uh, have covered a lot today, uh, Reggie. Benny, as we wrap up, uh, do you have any final questions, any final thoughts? I have one last, and you know, Reggie was talking about get trained. Uh, Reggie, I, I did want to ask you, what is your role at BWC? Because you can, at BWC, you can train to be a referee, correct? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. My role is there is they they needed a ref with with the school matches with student versus students. They they needed a ref. One of the valiant family members reached out to me and asked me if I'd be interested in coming up for a couple hours. I'm sure, you know, it's an hour from home for one. It's a Sunday afternoon and it's not an every Sunday thing. So that was perfect for my schedule. So I went up, did the first, did the first show and it was great. It was great seeing those students out there working along with the instruction instructors was great. Plus it's, Ran by Jimmy Valiant. So it's, he he keeps reaching out to me, want me to come back. So I, that either tells me he can't find anybody else or I'm doing a good job, whichever one. I think but, it's the latter. <laughs> well, I hope it is. But um, I enjoy working there. I I enjoy Boogie and Angel and the, and the students. He's put out so much, so much great talent. And then now um, you will be involved because a lot of his students, and I think you mentioned the name was Rick, Rick Diesel. Yes. And that's a, um, AIWF. And there's an event yes. on March the 5th in Mount Airy. And a lot of Jimmy's yes. students will uh, be making their professional wrestling debuts that night. And yes. so you will be at that event as well? Yes. I'm, I'm at most every AIWF Mid-Atlantic event in Mount Airy, give or take one or two a year. But um, that the fifth and sixth is the thirtieth um, anniversary show showcase weekend, and Boogie's sending down a lot of a lot of the students. That'll be their first match. Um, and also, my, the day before that in Bluefield, West Virginia, it's two companies that I both work for, AIWF versus PWL. So. It's actually a three-day weekend for me. I'll be doing the Bluefield plus the two Mount Area shows. So Monday might be a rest day for the old man here. But <laughs> yeah, we got to take those once in a while. And I, well, I, I don't know how old you are, but I know I do. Well, I'm all, I'm 42, so yes, the uh, trust me, I feel about 62 most days, but. Uh, <laughs> Take that and add to it, and you, then you, you get to my age. Yeah. <laughs> it's good, though. Benny, Benny's, uh, see, well, you know, you, you'd, be, you'd be 49 any day now, right, Benny? <laughs> yeah. I got to start using uh, Scott Steiner math. Yeah, they, yeah. Eventually, I'll get there, too. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> <laughs> Well, that's a uh, that's a nice schedule. Um, other than the 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 boogie show, what what can, what does the future hold for for Reggie Cassidy? Well, it, every year my goal is to work 
somewhere different, at least one place different every year and work with as many people as possible that because you learn something different. I never realized that when talking with, with people in the locker room that each person does things a little different. So when I'm studying, I'm studying how each individual wrestler works with the ref and works as much as possible. You it's, it's it's a once in a life to me it was once if I either did this after this car accident or I wasn't gonna do it. So work as often as possible, have fun, go different places, enjoy. Sounds like great advice. Very good advice. Yeah. And uh wrestling and life, right, Benny? Absolutely. Wrestling is life. <laughs> There well, you go. yeah, it is. It is pretty much. Well, other than the uh, the Mister One Two Three referee page I mentioned, uh, do you have any and and the referee social page Benny mentioned? Do you have anything on social media you want to plug before we let you go? Um, just the my companies that I'm currently working for, um, AIWF, of course, based out of Mount Airy. They have territories all over the world. Uh, Premier Wrestling League Mid-Atlantic, which is out of Bluefield, West Virginia. Um, Rated R Wrestling out of Bristol, Tennessee. Um, All-Star Wrestling out of the Kingsport, Tennessee area, but but in they run into Virginia as well as Kentucky. The, all of those are on Every major social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, I will be going back to ICS, which is International Combat Sports, in May. I enjoy it. That's in West Virginia. I enjoy that as well. Um, I have a couple fundraisers coming up July and August um, for EWA out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And, of course, the BWC, Boogie's Wrestling Camp. I have two two Sundays there coming up this year. Very nice. Well, we say it every – see, it feels like every week, don't we, Benny? Uh, you know, we've been talking for an hour, and I feel like there's so much more we could say. Reggie, I, I thank you so much for your time. And, uh, like I said, you know, uh, check them out. Facebook, Mr. One, Two, Three. Indie, uh, Indie Darling referee, Reggie Cassidy. Reggie, thank you again so much for being here. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, then you have yourself a good night, and we will definitely reach out to have you back on. All right. Thank you. All right. Take care, Reggie. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome conversation, Benny. It's always nice hearing the other side of the story. You know, we, we've talked, we talked to a lot of wrestlers, promoters, bookers, people that, that run what, what we see on camera, you know, the referee sometimes blends in. I don't want to say blends into the background, but you get what I mean. You, you, you don't realize as a fan at watching as much as we do, how vital the referee is to what you see every day. Absolutely. And that's why I asked him the question when you started training, you know, what was your perception versus what was your perception as a fan? Like you said, you know, the referee's just there. We kind of take it for granted. Yeah, and I, I think he definitely hit on it when he said to go get, you know, to his advice to future referees to go get trained because I can only imagine there's probably some people that show up or try and get booked in these some of these smaller promotions that that think refereeing is easy and end up getting in way over their head. Yeah, no, he had a lot of a lot of good advice there. Absolutely. A lot of good advice and a lot of good stories. I mean, I I think it's it's kind of cool to be and, and he talked about his parents, you know, to be a lifelong fan. I mean, I I'm a lifelong fan of wrestling, and that was definitely not at the encouragement of my parents. They were, you know, and they were they were supportive of what I liked. You know, my mom bought me the the books and the magazines and the the you know the wrestling buddies that were big in the 80s but you know certainly like oh you you know how many times have i had that comment oh you know that stuff's fake right right kid yeah yeah 
I have the exact same story as our friend Javier that <clears throat> my parents bought me a Hitachi 12 inch black and white TV set just so I could go upstairs and not watch wrestling in the, in the, in the family room. There you go. Yeah, I definitely, uh, I definitely watched my share of wrestling and, you know, just on the rabbit ears. Yeah. But the funny thing is the, the, how I got started was for some reason. And I don't know why that they, they had it on. It was in, it was in the living room and Ray Morgan, the announcer for capital wrestling happened to be interviewing, interviewing Bruno. And, uh, when he said, Bruno, how about a word for our Italian fans? And my mom was in the kitchen. My mom was always in the kitchen. Um, I don't think she, I think she slept there. Um, but I, I said, mom, come on, you know, can you translate? And she, she translated what Bruno said. And she had, you know, right after she goes, that's a really classy guy. And that's what, that's what got me. That's what got me hooked. You've been, you've been hooked and, and a Bruno fan ever since. Huh? 54 years. Hey, I just saw on uh, Facebook, you posted the memory the other day, you, uh, at the, the, the dinner sitting in between Bruno and Dominic. Yes, at Rico's restaurant. I think it was December sixteenth, twenty seventeen. Yes. yes, I mean, and it was bittersweet because it truly was one of the best nights of my entire life. But you know, then you think, you know, they're both gone now. It's so sad. And unfortunately, that's that's the case. You know, that where you you're when you're a fan of something long enough, you get at the point where life starts taking away more than it gives you. Absolutely. So, uh, any parting thoughts, Benny? No, I thought I, I really enjoyed listening to Reggie. Uh, you know, like you said, he put an entirely new spin from my perspective as far as what a referee is all about. And I, I really enjoyed that. Absolutely. Well, for the BS Express himself, Benny Scala, I'm Dan Spastiano. Have a good night, everyone. And we'll see you next time we're in the ring. Good night, folks.